but I also wanted women to understand that no matter how great the hurt, you have to come out on the other side as the better woman. You can't come out on the other side as the bitter woman. And for me, that was very important to get through to this book, that my dad was not the cause of my actions and my decisions. That was on me. And I had to take a look at myself and I had to take responsibility for that. As hard as that might have been, it had to be done. And I really wanted women in my position to understand that we have to recognize the decisions we make are directly connected to what we had or what we didn't have when we were a little girl. And we could be doing ourselves a huge disservice if we're making decisions based on an absence. Hey there, I'm Amy Connell. Welcome to Graced Health, the podcast for women who want simple and grace-filled ways to take care of themselves and enjoy a little chocolate. I'm a certified personal trainer and nutrition coach who wants you to know your eating, movement, and body don't have to be perfect. You just need to be able to do what you're called to do. If you've read my book, Your Worthy Body, You have met my friend Kamisha Broussard in chapter four, entitled She Has the Perfect Body. In that chapter, I dig into body image differences in black women and white women. I honestly had just enormous help from Kamisha in writing this chapter, and I really do call it our chapter. And then Kamisha later actually came on the podcast, which I will link in the show notes, and we talked a little bit more about that. So you may have met Kamisha a couple times, and I'm just so grateful for her friendship and the time that we have spent together. One of the journeys Kamisha and I have taken together is that of writing our first book. Kamisha's memoir, Daddy Issues, released about a month ago in February 2022, and I wanted to bring her on to share her experience of having an absent father. We talk about this some, but Daddy Issues is not a list of grievances against her father. This is not bashing her father, but it rather, it's a book about loving herself by not hating her father. In this episode, we talk about her relationship with her dad, her mom, whom I just fell in love with, and really herself as she navigates having an absent father who chose to be that way. Some fathers do not choose to be that way, and he did. Uh, She offers some really powerful stories and lessons that we can all learn from, regardless of our own experiences. I'm really touched that she would come on and have this conversation, and I'm excited for you to hear it. Now, before we bring on Kamisha, I do want to remind you of my new book, Your Worthy Body. This is not a diet book. This is not a weight loss book. It is for women who want a different perspective on their body, on their movement and eating, and it uses exercise science and nutrition science all through a lens of faith to break some of the rules and messaging we have heard. Go grab that. If you have not, go grab it, and you can learn more about Kamisha in Chapter 4. Okay, let's bring on my friend, Kamisha. Kamisha, welcome back to the show. Hey, Amy. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for having me again. I always get excited. It's fun to talk. It's super fun to talk. It is. It's odd that we're, we're friends, and it's always the podcast talk is always different. It's like I'm talking to Amy the podcaster. Oh, 
<laughs> yeah, well, you just need to put that down right now. You're just talking to Amy, your friend, with a couple of people listening. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you were here, I think you came on in October, October, November, right around that time period of 2021, because you were really instrumental in helping to write one of my chapters uh, in my book, uh, as it pertains to black women's body image issues. And so if people want to hear that, they can go back and listen to that. But one of the reasons that you and I really connected was when we first met, we started talking and we were both in the middle of writing a manuscript. Uh-huh. And we have walked with each other through that. And you now have a full book called Daddy Issues. And I am just blown away by it. It is such an incredible book. And so I wanted to invite you on today just to share your story. My community is really curious about a lot of different things. They'd like to learn. They like to hear other perspectives and different stories. And, you know, you and I had very different stories and very different father figures from growing up. And so I'm just, I just think it's important that we hear a lot of different uh, experiences. And so that's why I wanted to invite you on, you know, this, because, you know, if we talk about it from the health umbrella perspective, this is, this contributes to the collective health mm-hmm. of our communities, of our city, state, nation. And um, it's an important element that we not forget. Mm-hmm. So you have this book called Daddy Issues, and it's a memoir. Yes. yes. Tell Tell us about it. So you get in the elevator, you say, I've written a book, and uh, you have 30 seconds to tell people about it. <laughs> so share that Share that uh, short, quick summary of it. I would say that um, Daddy Issues is a book about learning to love myself by not hating my father, uh, which was a very hard thing to do. Because what I learned was the, the more resentment I had for my dad the more um, or the less of a type of woman I was that I really wanted to be. And I had to let that go. And Daddy Issues was a way to do that. And it it didn't start that way. It started as my father was passing away. He had cancer. And um, when when he did actually pass away, I started just writing just to try to make sense of it. And what ended up, what turned out, started as a 18-page just let me purge <laughs> uh, turned into a book because I realized that he was human before he was my dad. And and I owed him something and I just had to figure out what. That was more than 30 seconds, wasn't it? My no, that's all right. That's all right. We went up a few floors. That's okay. <laughs> okay. One of the things that really grabbed me r- right off the bat was the way that you structured this book. I will put a link to this book in the show notes and I would love for people to go read it. But when you look at it, it's, it's, I just want to explain it because I think it'll help kind of tee up this next question that I have, but you have um, like black brick Uh and a black satin um, ribbon going Uh down the side, kind of twirling down the side and then some really beat up worn Uh ballet shoes. Uh And then the very first part of the book, you open with an analogy that I thought was so brilliant and profound. And I was wondering if you could share that um, with our readers, because I was able 
immediately to identify myself of my, the relationship that I had with my dad in there. Um, and it's an, and it was different than what yours was. So I, can you, can you share that? The, the black brick on the cover kind of, it, it, it represents a lot of things. It definitely represents my race. Um, but it also represents the idea of constantly hitting a brick wall and hitting a black brick wall um, over and over and over again. The idea of the ribbons is because we're kind of notorious as little girls. I was at least for always having ribbons. I had um, a treasure trove of barrettes and ribbons. Um, These ribbons had to be black. And then the the ballet shoes could have been perfect. They could have been really, really nice um, toe shoes. The ironic thing about that is I never made it in ballet class to get to the toe shoes. I never made it that far. My husband would probably say, thank God I didn't because he likes <laughs> <laughs> but I never made it that far. So even the shoes kind of represent what my desires were, but that that tiredness that is is that you can see in the shoe, that tiredness it was part of my journey as well. When we came up with the idea for the cover, I wanted a way to put together the two things that I felt like really made me what and who I was. And those two things were, just like it says, the two things I love dearly, dancing and my father. And when I thought about how can I make this cover, because the cover was made before part one, part two, and part three actually came into the book. The part one, part two, and part three had absolutely no place in the book. They, what, were, they weren't even thought of, but we had this cover and 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 I loved it. But there was no word about dancing at all in the book. It took me four months to put together the connection. Writing this book, I started to understand that even fragments are are connected. And we don't understand them to be fragments until we force ourselves into that uncomfortable space of putting the fragments together into a picture. And it was the reflection process that made me understand there is a connection between losing ballet class and losing my dad. There is a connection between him not being there when I was dancing and me losing that passion for dancing because he wasn't there. And I thought about what fathers are um, in our lives. And fathers are our, our leads. They're our, our first lead character in the life that we will continue to lead, usually most of the times with our husbands. And they set they set the foundation for what's going to happen. So I started to try to go a little deeper than surface and actually think about it in terms of what's the parallel between life and what I'm doing here. And life is a dance. It's what we do. Mm -hmm. We have several partners throughout our lives, but the most important partners are our parents. And that's how, uh, uh, dancing came to be that part one being space, part two being time, and part three being energy. Um, those three things that we we bring together and we move with each other throughout our lives, and we dance with the people that we love. And how that dance turns out depends on the steps that are incorporated. And that's how we st- that's how 
that portion of the book started to form because the cover wasn't going anywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. And I think it's for me, it's one of those it's one of those things where um, God knows what he's doing. Yeah. You know, you don't know, but God knows what he's doing. And and it just now it makes sense. One of the things that you talk about in there that I had never really thought about is, and so correct me if I'm wrong, but like basically kind of having three different um, dancing partner relationships. So one of them is you have the lead, he gently guides you, you follow him, you trust him. Uh, mm-hmm. Another one is where it's just a little more, maybe there's some tension and there's some fighting and yeah. You know, it, it's kind of, I would say that it would be like, I used to love watching Dancing with the Stars. They're like, you've got to let the guy lead. Like, you've got to let him lead. Otherwise, people, you know, it, it it's just clunky. Uh-huh. Uh, and then and then you gave this analogy where sometimes it's one person dancing and the lead is just dancing around and uh-huh. trying to get all the attention. Uh-huh. And you said that was my father, that it was all about him. And it was, he was trying to get the attention and it was, it was never about me. It was never about him leading me. It was about him just dancing. And that just, I I think that will stick with me forever because I grew up with, I mean, my dad was, he was the gentle leader and, um, and did that in, in such a graceful and, um, calming way. And it never occurred to me, you know, especially when I was younger, it never occurred to me that that wasn't everybody's. Um, experience. So th- I just think that that's a, that was a really profound way of inviting the reader in to, uh, if I'm not careful, we're going to start talking shop here and I'm, I don't want to do that, but inviting us in of like, well, where do I fit into this? Um, and, and wow. Okay. So that wasn't, hers is different than mine. And so like, you know, let's lean in and learn. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if you can, I mean, you've written an entire book about it um, somewhat, but I'm wondering if you can kind of just give a quick summary of um, of your life as it relates to the relationship that you had with your father. Okay. Well, um, my dad was an alcoholic and mm-hmm. it's suspected that he was an alcoholic way before I ever came into the picture. And of course, um, when life deals you a couple of hard blows, you, you seek a couple more bottles. When I was young, he and my mother divorced. And like I, like I said, there are, there Things in the book that let you know what it, his intentions were, but he was always close. I could always get to my dad, but we never, we could never get together. You know, I could always yeah. get to him, but we we could never get together. A lot of people, when they talk about alcoholism and their parents, a lot of people talk about abuse. My father was not that father. He wasn't an abusive man at all. He was, uh, he was a hurting man. And that wasn't something I was able to see when I was a young girl, because when I was a young girl, um, all I wanted was my dad. Um, So it's it's not uh, as as a being an adult and looking back and now knowing what life really, really is. Now I look back and I'm like, wow, um, I love him, but I also feel sorry for him. You know, I think there's a, a, a line in the book that says, I don't think anybody ever thanked my dad for just being who he was. I don't think my dad ever heard the word thank you for anything. So we had a great relationship up until the divorce. And I think the divorce, I think that was just the last thing for him to lose. And at that point, he had nothing else 
you know, to, to lose. So he drove, he dove deeper into the bottle and the deeper he got into the bottle, the further he, he moved and the further he danced from me. Now I'm curious. So first you mentioned your mom and I want to get into her here in a second, uh-huh. but even though, I mean, as a, as a daughter of an alcoholic and obviously with him dancing away from you and moving away, you also shared some really tender moments, mm-hmm. really, really special moments. And so I was wondering if you can share some of those or share one of them, because one thing that I think is important to know is this is not, a, this is not a memoir of a list of grievances against your father. Oh no, 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 no. This is, this is not like throwing dad under the bus, oh, no. all of the things that he did wrong. Mm-hmm. This is the experience as it happened to you. And this is how I took it at least. Uh And that it was as a grown woman, Uh you figuring out how, um, how that helped shape you, how that helped shape your relationships Uh and, uh, how you grew from that. And then where your opportunities for growth were. Uh So this was, this is not like the book is daddy issues. And these are all the things that were wrong with daddy. (laughs) And I think you did a really masterful job of sharing some really wonderful aspects of them. So I was wondering if you could share one that, I mean, I'm sitting here looking at you and you're smiling. So I know you've got one that you, that you're ready to share. Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, And it, it actually isn't in the book. And I will say that my good memories of my dad took a backseat for a long time because I was so hurt that he wasn't there. So I, I was remembering the bad things. Um, the writing forced me to really flush out the good stuff. And I'll never forget there's one that did not make it into the book. We were at a company picnic and um, there was a, a the, the merry-go-round, the carousel. Mm-hmm. And I was deathly afraid to get on the carousel. And he kept looking, he kept going, come on, Mish, come on, Mish. And I was just like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going on that. I'm not going on that. And he, he bent down and he looked at me. He said, Mish, what you scared of? I said, Daddy, they're big. He said, you big? Come on. And he picked me up. And before I could, before I could get out of his arms fast enough, before I could run, he swooped me up and he jumped on that thing while it was moving. And once we got on there, and he stumped a little bit just a little bit. And once we got on there, he put me on a horse and he told me, he said, here, grab, grab the pole. He said, grab the pole. So I grabbed it and he came around from behind me and he wrapped his arms around me. He said, I got you. He said, you ain't going. Mm-hmm. I got you. He said, I got you. He said, come on, let's go. And we just went around and went around and went around. And I, I will never forget how it felt for him to be there. Yeah. And, and as I look back, I wonder, is that one of the reasons I was so mad when he wasn't? <laughs> because I knew how it felt for him to be there. And it was the best feeling in the world. And I was oh, Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's a, yeah, that is great. Just the safety and the security. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can just, I can just sense those, those fatherly arms around you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just saying, we're good. You're good. I've got you. He said, I, got I love you. that. I got you. Thank you. 
Thank you for that. I hate it. Yeah, I had to pull some stories and pull some things too that just, what do they call it? Um, kill your darlings yes. <laughs> when you write. Yes. <laughs> really hard to take some stuff out mm-hmm. for sure. Okay, now your mom. Oh, yeah. You had a big birthday party. I, I mean, it was a birthday party. We'll just yes. call it that yes. uh, a few weeks ago. Uh-huh. And I had the opportunity to come over and I met. Um, I met your mom and your sister and your brother who are all in the story Uh and boy, how I wish I could have read this before meeting your mom (laughs) (laughs) because I just, I, she was such a source of strength, of stability, Mm -hmm. of um, pragmatism. Is that a right word? Like she, she had, I mean, to me, Beyond you, she is the main character of this story in helping you to become a woman, helping you to um, navigate that when she also was missing your father and she did not have him Mm -hmm. like she thought she would. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm just wondering, and I want the, I want the listeners to go read the book so they can get to know your mom as well. um, And they will adore her as well. But I'm just wondering if you could, um, if you could choose like just three words to describe her, Mm -hmm. what would those be? Strong, loyal, and loving. I see all of that. Yeah. Yeah. And mom snuck into the book. Really? Yeah. That that tell was, me more. Um, the first time, the first draft of the book, I I wrote when I was I was married previously, and I divorced. I had to get rid of about sixty to seventy percent of the book. I had to throw it all out completely. My mom was not present in any of it through the writing process this time, and and looking back at situations and events that happened, there was one part of it that was just constantly repeating throughout the the book. And it was our relationship. So eventually the editor was like, you you got something going on between you and your mom. You got to flesh it out. And I didn't want to because, um, you know, and the book talks about these dynamics that exist. And my mom and I represent two very different black women. So I didn't want to go into the relationship between my mom and I. And I had to sit her down. I had to talk with her when it was over. I had to say, um, the book is done and you got to read it before it comes out. And we didn't struggle at all. But you can tell there was a lot of wow and oh, my God, in between us during that time. Um and it, it, she said it definitely, she said it makes you think. She said, no, we didn't talk about those things. We never talked about those things. We just, we just did. We just moved. We did what he had to do. But we never, ever talked about those things. So when it was over um, and I look back, I was like, this is, this book is just as much about mom as it is about dad. Mm-hmm. So. I, I definitely got that. I definitely got that out. Um through it too. Yeah. Just, and it was a complex relationship mm-hmm. for sure. For sure. Let's just talk about your readers because, well, let's start here. Who did you write this book for? Me. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I wrote it for me to be, to be completely honest. I wrote it for me and my father. 
I felt okay. like I felt like this was unfinished business to to wrap everything up and put a bow on it. Um, even after what twenty years after his death, I felt like things needed. This was my closure, but I also wanted women to understand that no matter how great the hurt, you have to come out on the other side as the better woman. You can't come out on the other side as the bitter woman. And for me, that was very important to get through to this book that my dad was not the cause of my actions and my decisions. That was on me. And I had to take a look at myself and I had to take responsibility for that. As hard as that might have been, it had to be done. Um, And I really wanted women in my position to understand that we have to recognize the decisions we make are directly connected to what we had or what we didn't have when we were a little girl. And we could be doing ourselves a huge disservice if we're making decisions based on an absence. That's really powerful. Really powerful. Is that what you, if someone were to read your book and they have um, either an absent or estranged or alcoholic father, I mean, like a father that did not fit what they needed, mm-hmm. is that what you would hope that they would walk away from or walk away with? Or is there, um, was there, is there another hope for that reader? I, I would hope that they walk away with, if if your father gave you nothing else, nothing else, he gave you you. Yeah. And what you determine, what you determine you will do with that is completely up to you. I I don't remember where I heard this, and I think it was a pastor. I've I've heard so many wonderful stories about letting go of things. But I would I believe it was a pastor who said that you can't drive forward if you're looking in the rearview mirror. Mm-hmm. And I've heard that. Yeah. Yeah. As much as it may hurt and that absence hurts. And I have this thing now where, okay, I'm going to give it its hurt. I'm going to respect it. I'm going to give it its space, give it its time. Then I'm going to move on and I'm going to determine what I'm going to be. I'm going to determine what I'm going to do. And it's not going to be because of what someone did not do. And yeah. and that's what I feel. That's what I hope a lot of women a lot of young girls understand that if if your parents gave you nothing else, they gave you the opportunity to do what you want to do with you. Now it's up to you to figure out how to do that. Not fair sometimes, but it is what it is. I have had my friend Emily Baker on the show a couple of times, mm-hmm. and she is a counselor that specializes in story work. And one of the things that she really Um, focuses on is exactly what you've done, which is you've got to look back into the past and process it and deal with it and, and go there in order to heal yourself now in order to uh, have productive and, and positive relationships now. Like, and so I think that, you know, and it's funny because like part of her stuff I know is like you have to write out your story and this might be the longest ever story in a story work, <laughs> but it's this, the, the process of writing the story is, uh-huh. as she has told me, is really, really impactful for all of the reasons that you just said and how important it is to be able to write that down. Um, and then you're right. I mean, then, then it's time to, to turn it around and to look forward and to move on. And I'm not a counselor. I can't, I can't speak to all of the intricacies of it, but I do think that it's important to recognize it, honor what it was 
uh-huh. and then and then look forward and then yeah and then go on. Okay, now what about someone who had a different perspective, had a different um, story or situation, um, and maybe they, you know, where they had their father, their father was present, their father was a good, you know, keeping with the dancing analogy, a good lead. What would you hope? Um, what would you hope that reader would gain from from reading Daddy Issues? Patience. <laughs> Patience. Oh yeah. Uh, patience with patience with um with being in the presence of something completely foreign completely foreign um i and and you you'll get there you, there there's a you'll get there when you get to the point in that book you'll be like oh i know what she was talking about <laughs> um i've been in the room you know where i'm the fatherless daughter and everybody else is like, oh, you look different. You look different. You sound different. You move different. Yeah, I do. But that doesn't mean I'm not worthy to be in the room. It just means that mm-hmm. what I bring inside the room is different from what you bring inside the room. And and maybe if you give me a chance to stay here for a little while, you might like some of the things I bring in, you know, despite the fact that I don't look like you all and I don't sound like you all. Uh, that that I think is very important because women and girls who are raised without fathers, they are definitely missing something. And not all of them have the tools to find necessary elements throughout their life to not replace what they're missing, but to supplement what they're missing. Not all women have that. Um, some will find it and some will not find it. But all women who are missing a dad, um, they missing a father who could have been there because there's a big difference between missing a dad who passed away. You know, when you are missing your father because he passed away, you know, he didn't leave you. Mm. But there's a whole different level of consciousness when you have to navigate your way through life and try to figure out everything that your father was supposed to teach you, knowing that he's somewhere. He just doesn't want to be with me for whatever reason. Those women need a little bit more understanding and a little bit more patience. Um, so that's what I would say. I would say be patient with what's foreign to you. Let let her let her stay in the room for a little while and see what she has to bring to the table and then see what she's willing to take from the table. That's very important too. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's it. I love that patience. So if you were talking, you know, you were talking about women and um, young women and maybe more mature women who have had the, their father choose mm-hmm. to not be with them. Mm-hmm. What kind of what kind of hope or encouragement would you give them? I would say that what you need is probably nine times out of 10 somewhere around you. It's just not going to be given to you by who you want it to be from. And that's something we have to recognize. For me, I needed guidance. I needed understanding. I needed support. I needed love, but I wanted it from my dad. All those things were around me, but I rejected them. So we have to understand it um, goes right back to that, to the serenity prayer, right? No, no. 
the the will, the the courage to change what I can, the wisdom to know the difference. Um, that whole thing, we cannot make people want us, no matter who they are. We can't make them want us, but we can recognize the people who do want us and get our lessons from those people and let those lessons carry us. Even though they might not be who we want them to be from, they're the same lessons. So a, a woman or a young lady whose father is not there, first thing I would say is the reasons he's not there has nothing to do with you. Nothing at all. The -hmm. reasons he's not there, they have everything to do with him. And before he was your father, he was a man. He has his own battles. He has his own demons. But you cannot let that become your path. So you have to align yourself with people who want you and who want to be around you. And you have to let them guide you through your dance. That's great. That's great. And I I feel like too, the other aspect of that is there's a reason that we often call God our heavenly father, (laughs) (laughs) who is, who is always there, who is always there. Mm -hmm. So Kamisha, you have, you have four boys Uh and um, (laughs) I'm curious what their response has been as they have I mean, have they read the book? Well, obviously your, your four-year-old has not yet read the book. (laughs) And, and if they have not, I don't think my boys have not read mine. So there's no shame if they haven't read it, but I'm curious if you feel like it, if you are concerned that they're going to see you differently, if you are, um, if you anticipate their, their reaction, I mean, what, what kind of feedback are you getting from them with sharing so much of your story like this? The oldest has been involved with the book since it started to become a book. So he's always known. He's always encouraged me to say, Hey, you gotta, you gotta tell whatever you're going to tell and, and who loves it will love it. And who doesn't, doesn't the middle child, he's kind of blown away and it's the middle child. I have four. So one of the middle children. Um, he, there is a lot he did not know. And I, I guess life, we just get so busy. We don't talk about the past. Yeah. He, he doesn't, he didn't know his grandfather and none of them really did, but he's learning who my dad was, who his grandfather is. He's learning it through the book. And he's like, there have been a couple of chapters. He's like, I was going to tell granddad, you know, that's my mama. And and he was like, (laughs) But the way it ended, I was like, oh, dad, granddad's pretty cool. So he's learning. It's like he did not have a grandfather before that, before the book. And now he has an idea of what his grandfather was like. And he he loves it. He loves reading about the, the situations and the, the circumstances. He loves reading about where I grew up because he doesn't know. We moved around so much. He has no idea. Um, the youngest is the same thing. He's just like, I'm. I'm so proud of you, but I'll read it one day, but I'm so proud of you. I, I read one chapter. I get the rest of it. So you know, he's mm-hmm. 22 and mm-hmm. he's this thing. But the one thing I will say that I love is the fact that they, they will have that artifact of family and they'll have it forever now. You know, their children will have it. So their children will know this is who your grandmother was like. This is who your great grandfather was like and your great, great grandfather. And that's the one thing we all talk about, we love about it, is that that family history that wasn't captured any other kind of way. We don't have folk 
albums because we moved around so much. You know, we don't have family diaries. We don't have a family Bible. So this book has kind of become our Bible kind of sort of. Well, and I, I love how you say that, you know, you never really talked about it with your oldest because you were just, you know, busy during life. Mm-hmm. But I I think that that's also, it seems like that's one of the lessons that you learned about your dad as you were going through here, because he, he is a, he is a full, complete person, mm-hmm. just like you are. Mm-hmm. And, and your children just see you as parents. I mean, it's like, it's like when you are with your kid and you go to the grocery store and they see their, their first grade teacher at the grocery store. They're mm-hmm. like, Oh, Mrs. James was at eight, you know, at the grocery store. Well, it's like, they don't keep her there. She has a life outside of your first grade classroom. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 I mean, it is. I think that we just, our children don't always see us as humans. They just see us as mom or or dad. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I was writing a book um, and and I was remembering some things about my mom and I was crying so hard and I called and I just apologized. I was just apologizing. Mm -hmm. I said, baby, what's wrong? And I told her, I said, I, I, I was having to piece together how old she was when there were things that things I wrote in the book I was having to say, okay, my mom was about 23 when this happened. My mom was about 30. And then I was looking at my life when I was 23 and 30. I'm like, oh my God, how does she, how does she get through that with, with what she, I was like, oh, I called her and I cried and I cried. I had so many days of that. Cause I, I realized that I knew my mom when my mom was young and I never viewed her as being young ever. She was always my old mom. That was it. Right. Right. I had the same thought when you were going through and every now and then you would, I would either do the math in my head or, or you would share how old she was, or it was like all of this happened before she was 30. And I thought, good grief. Yeah. Like I had a one-year-old when I was 30 and I mean, yeah. And to be able to put yourself in your 23 year old self where you were, and then to know that the challenges that she, um, persevered through mm-hmm. at, at such a young age. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she's, uh, I just really enjoyed getting to know her through the book for sure. For sure. Cool. Cool. Well, Kamisha, I am so happy for you to get this out, to get your family history out. Um, as hard as it was, this was look, look let's just be real. My book was a lot more fun to write. <laughs> Your book was probably a lot more fun to write, yes. And it was it was fun to read. When I got when I got down and depressed, I was like, I'll read Amy's book and find a recipe. <laughs> but um I I really honor the work that you put into this. I know you shed a lot of tears through it. I mean, you and I shared some, you know, you would tell me about that. Um it seems like it was very therapeutic. It was very healing. Mm -hmm. And I just really, I I really encourage, I really encourage you guys, listeners to go grab it, go, go learn, go see life through someone else's eyes Mm -hmm. and, uh, and be patient. (laughs) Right. Cause, cause we, man, we all, we need a lot of patience in a lot of different ways. So thank you. Thank you for sharing this, um, this gift of your story with us 
Okay. So I'm going to finish up with the same two questions I asked you last time you were on. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'll say them again in case we have any new listeners, but I am fascinated by tattoos. I don't have any, but have found that people often are very thoughtful when they put something on their body to Uh be there for the rest of their life, most of the time. Mm -hmm. And so I was wondering, I know that you shared one with us and I just, before we got on or before we hit record, I was like, you can do whatever you want. If you even want to do the same (laughs) one, that's fine. But if you have a tattoo, if you wouldn't mind sharing what it is and the meaning behind it. Okay, well, because grandma is in the book, you definitely know about my ankle tattoo, a permanent anklet, because my grandmother always wore anklets. So I wanted an anklet and I waited till I was old enough to make a really, really great decision. So Mickey Mouse did not end up on my ankle. So I just have a vine. Um, and it was my first one. Darn near killed me. Nobody told me that the ankle was like the worst. Any bony place is the worst place you can get a tattoo. The other one, I fell in love with Janet Jackson years ago. Um, and and she had one on, on her back. So I was like, I'm going to get one on my back too. So I have those two. Those are my only two. Okay. All right. And then do you have a meaningful Bible verse that you would like to share? Yeah. And I thought about it before we started out. I, I was going to go with um, my, my yield, trusty, faithful, but I thought about a verse that was very new to me. And I found it um, right before I got ready to publish the book because I was scared. I was like, all of my colleagues are going to know everything about me. My friends are going to know everything. My students, my students are going to know about me. So this one was uh, Joshua one nineteen. Joshua one nine. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. So that is the one I would repeat to myself whenever I got to the point. Where I was like, I'm not going to publish this book. Yeah. It's a really vulnerable feeling. I get that. And it's funny because I know that I had moments of panic with when particular people were reading the book. I didn't care if someone I didn't know was reading it. Like I was fine sharing that. But yeah, there's there's some you get intimate, you get vulnerable, you get um you you share stories because that's what people connect with, but it's also really scary to put out. So I I completely understand that feeling. And I love that verse that um, Joshua one nine to go with that. Well, thank you again for coming on. And um, as always, thank you for your friendship. And I just wish you the best with this, with daddy issues. It's a phenomenal book. You are clearly an amazing writer. You teach writing. You, (laughs) uh, what do they call him? A writer's writer. Um, And I just, I just wish you all the, success, however you define that with, with data issues. Thank you very much for having me again. I always enjoy, I can't wait to see you. Like, I know we need to get back to doing our little regular walks again, for sure. Or something. I'm finding, I'm finding a new normal outside of the new, new normal. So I'm, I'm getting back into the swing of things. Kamisha's book, daddy issues is available in print in Kindle and audiobook. So however you like to consume your content, there is a medium for that. This book is what uh, Glennon Doyle would call a brutal book. So brutal and beautiful, but it will definitely enhance and maybe broaden your perspective, which I just like doing. I just think it's so important for us to take in 
uh, information that might be different than ours, or take in other people's stories that complement ours, where we can learn from each other. I want to uh, I want to thank Kamisha again for coming on the show and really just being such a friend to me and my mission over here at Grace Health. Now, if you found a value in today's show, here are three super simple things that would be valuable to me. Number one, rate and review this podcast. I know that can be confusing, especially on Apple. So I have in the show notes a link that says click here and leave a review. It's super simple. Number two, sign up to receive my monthly journals. This is a subscriber only place for me to share things I love. And I think you will too. It's free. but you can't find it anywhere on the internet. So you can't just think, well, I'm just going to go poke around on gracedhealth.com because they're not there. They're only in the inbox in, or in the, in your inbox, not your ebox. Um, and since it's subscriber only, I get to be, I just get to have my full personality come out. So make sure you go sign up for that. It's uh, gracedhealth.com slash monthly dash updates. And then number three, purchase a copy of my book, Your Worthy Body. Remember, it's not a diet book. Instead, it's a cross-cultural, grace-filled look at how to change our mindset about our body, evening and movement all through a lens of faith. Each episode, I like to leave you with one simple thing to remember because we do cover a lot in these episodes. This uh, this episode's one simple thing revolves what Kamisha talked about with patience. I really appreciate how she challenges us to have patience with others. We may not know their story or what they are dealing with, if and if we will just exercise some patience and just kind of wait in that space, we may find that they can offer so much. Okay, that is all for today. Go out there and have a graced day. 